season is officially over we have a new stanley cup champion and for the bannerman it might be the best time of the year because it's the off season officially how are you today vardy i'm very good my friend i'm i'm fantastic i'm excited i'm happy that i don't have to deal with a year of the golden knights talking about their cup banner celebration and whatnot and not having to deal with you know every time the kings play them next season being led by the intro that they're playing the Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights. I can tolerate them being called the Western Conference champions. That's fine. And you know you know if they won, their home opener would be scheduled oh my God, against would the never Kings. Right? You know, no, it would be scheduled against the Kings, their home opener. I, I can almost guarantee you. Uh, which I don't understand how Washington's home opener doesn't have Pittsburgh as the road <laughs> team, but whatever. Uh, I don't want to get into that too much. Uh, the Capitals are the Stanley Cup champions. Alex Ovechkin's legacy has been solidified in every sense of the term, the word. Uh, I don't think anyone will ever say the words but after they say his name. It, it's over. We're so happy for him. Um, I can't believe there's some people who are like actually criticizing the way the Capitals are celebrating this thing. It pisses me right off. But I love it, man. It's uh, fantastic. How can you not love it? Like, what are they supposed to do? What was it? Damian Cox is like Raphael Nadal. Act like you've been know? there. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> whatever, man. Uh, he, in fact, has not been there. And that was the one thing that you guys kept holding against him his entire freaking career. So, yeah. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to act like he hasn't been there. No, it's a total, like, catharsis, right, for that team. Totally. It's, it's like, let's get it all out. It's not just about winning. It's about how long it took. The tribulations, the trials, all that stuff. So the yeah, teams let, they had to beat to get there. I mean, right, and let them go into a fountain with their clothes. <laughs> Who cares? What harm are they doing? Of all the crap we've seen in sports the last few years, some of that directly tied to our favorite team. Yeah, it's okay. Let them drink and swim in a fountain, and let Ovi just, I don't know, somehow weld the cup to his body which is what he's trying to do right now i think <laughs> yeah he's gonna i think by the start of the by the start of the season he's gonna have a special brace made so the cup just kind of like gets held above him so he can keep slapping hands and doing whatever else he wants his hands are free like basically. a baby bjorn <laughs> exactly <laughs> a cup bjorn basically uh, that would be tremendous it, just to draw a parallel i mean you know a couple of days after that the warriors from the nba won their third championship i swear to god i i've never seen a less excited bunch of people i think they shook hands and they walked off the court <laughs> no one cared the capitals had 10 times the celebration when they eliminated pittsburgh yeah. in the second round just to give yes. you an idea like i think kevin durant was just walking around throwing the peace sign to everyone yeah. like yeah this is okay. This is what we do. This is normal for us. Anyway, uh, anyway, congrats to the Caps. Um, mm -hmm. Happy trails to Barry Trotz. Which, wow. Weird. Uh, weird. Not weird because I had heard like there was some issues with, with the uppers in Washington and Barry Trotz. I think they basically re-upped everyone except him in last season. And all indications were it's like that Barry failed them. 
And of course, the year they don't expect to win, they go on to win. And, right. and I think there's hurt feelings there. I heard there was hurt feelings there, so I'm not overly shocked. You don't shocked. think a cup would mend that? I mean, you would <laughs> isn't think, that the point? <laughs> what else could, you know, mend that relationship? It's the ultimate relationship mender as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I guess not. Um, I guess Barry was asking for to be paid like Babcock, Julian, Quenville, the big names. Um Washington didn't see it that way, so they're both moving on. Um, does it put a damper on the celebration, you think? I don't think so. I mean, it sounds to me like Washington's been waiting for a little while for their assistant coach to kind of to kind of come in, and maybe that's that's Correct. more so what this has going for it, is that I don't think anyone expected the Caps to win the Cup, and um, it's, not like, it's not like when the Kings won their first Cup and no one was really expecting them to win because they had just brought in a new head coach, so win or lose, it's not like they were going to fire their head coach. Um, I think it caught them all by surprise, and then when they, they probably basically, I think, were planning on moving in a different direction from trots for a while, and then when you throw in this new contract wrinkle aspect of it, they were they made it a lot easier for them to to walk away. Um, but you know, he's 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 coming off the ultimate situation to get rehired. I I think the idea that he should sign with the upcoming Seattle team—that's the one that I think would be the the most tremendous move. Yeah, you mentioned that to me, and I didn't even thought of that. I was my mind immediately went to the Islanders, and mm-hmm. but then you mentioned how um, it would be such a perfect situation for him because totally because he could basically be there from the ground up and essentially take a year off yeah. coaching. Which, and, which apparently that's what he he even talked about, maybe wanting to do regardless. Right, if, right, and it's almost funny. Right when you told me that off the podcast, almost an hour later. I think news broke that he's traveling to Seattle. Um, you know, we had the E Crow per 60, but I think now <laughs> it's the predictions per 60 that's very high, Vardy. We're doing, I like it. We're doing pretty well I'm okay. in this last stretch. I mean, it's common sense though, right? I mean, you just, you just think about it. Seattle just brought on Dave Tippett, who all Kings fans should remember during his tenure uh, with Andy Murray as his assistant coach and then went on and coached the Coyotes uh, for a long while uh, and obviously coached the Stars for a little while in between there too. But like they brought him in to kind of help with molding and being the architect, but they didn't really say that he was going to be the head coach. So to me, that implies that there's room to bring in a guy like Trotz and maybe give him the opportunity to not just be a head coach, but maybe an assistant GM as well, which, you know, for damn sure he would never have that opportunity in like with the Islanders. Okay. Everything there is being run by Lou Lamarillo down to what type of discs they're throwing in the freaking urinals. So <laughs> if you think Barry Trotz is going to have any control over what that roster looks like if he worked for Lou Lamarillo, you're sadly mistaken. So I think it's a, it's a very unique opportunity for him um, if he decides to pursue that Seattle angle, uh, especially coming off of winning your cup, you know? Especially considering what Vegas was able to do, mm-hmm. now Seattle becomes that much more attractive to really anyone. So yeah, we'll see how that goes for Barry. Uh, strange that he's gone. Washington, look, I don't, you know, if I had to bet, I wouldn't bet on Washington repeating. Um, I think maybe yeah. even the fans know that they got their cup and it might be it. And that's the case for any team, right? You never know sure. until you play the games. But yeah. I, again, I don't think it deters from the celebration at all i think it's all good as long as they got the cup no problem so last we left you guys we were doing our new (laughs) 
five-star rating system for the team. We did the goaltender and the forward. So we do have a lot to talk about today, but we wanted to get this out of the way first uh, because it was such a big cliffhanger, I'm sure, for all you guys. Uh, dying to know breath. what we gave Andre Kopitar. I mean, who can predict <laughs> that? We have high standards, guys. Extremely <laughs> high standards. I don't care how many awards he's nominated for. How many stars does he have? That's what he's going to brag about at the end of this season. That's right. So, Vardy, you want to kick it off like you did last time? All right. We'll start from the bottom. Of course. Um, and how about we start with uh, a guy who I don't think is going to be coming back, but Tory Mitchell. Sure. Tory Mitchell. Tory Mitchell. Two stars. I don't know. It's so inconsequential. I'll be honest. I enjoyed the speed that he brought to the lineup. I thought that he helped with face-offs, and uh, I mentioned a few times over the last few episodes that it was one of Blake's uh, goals, I think, to you know beef up the bottom six, and he, I think he did so in bringing a guy like Mitchell. Scored a couple goals here and there. Um, we're thankful for his contributions. We wish him well in the rest of his career. Yes, fare thee well, Tori Mitchell. Uh, two stars, two and a half maybe for me, only because he – the Kings were looking for that bottom six mix all season, and I think him – and uh, Nate Thompson both really kind of solidified things on the bottom there. So for that, yeah, definitely for that, maybe two and a half stars for him. But yeah, I don't expect them back. No problem. Uh, let's move on. Tobias Reader. Speaking of question marks about whether they're Man. coming back or not. For me, I'll I'll say this about Reader. I'll go three stars only because. I thought towards the end he was doing okay. He was starting to kind of find his his game a little bit. He never really – yes, he was fast. I have mm-hmm. nothing to say about that. But I don't think he ever really showed that speed that I was expecting to see from him. Again, he's coming off some knee injuries. He's coming off some lower body injuries that I'm sure you know played a part in that. So three-star, serviceable. Uh, I won't lose any sleep if he's not back next year because he's an RFA and the Kings are kind of up against it. Yeah, I think I agree. I think three is appropriate. You know, the one knock against Reader his entire career is that he just can't score. I mean, he's got the speed. He's got all the tools you need to to kind of be there and put up 15, 20 goals, I think, in your in your career in your every season. And he's just never had the ability to hit the net. I mean, his shooting percentage is like four to five percent, something like that for his career. So I think if you're looking at the Kings, um, if you're looking to basically jumpstart your offense, starting with a guy who's got speed but can't, you know, hit the broadside of a barn isn't exactly the way you want to do it, especially when they're going to have to pay him like two and a half million just to qualify him. That is steep right now for what the Kings may have in mind for what they want to try and do this offseason. And especially if you're talking about guys like Gabe Velarde coming in uh, who could do exactly what he's doing, maybe not the speed component, but certainly the scoring component on an entry level deal. So I think three stars. I think there's a strong possibility he gets traded for something over the draft weekend. And, um, you know, Blake alluded to that as much, maybe not in so many words, but said basically, uh, I'll wait and see what happens after the draft to decide what I want to do with resigning his RFA deal. So, yep. Um, I I expect them to be shopping him Mm -hmm. at the draft too, so no surprises there. Um, Let's move on. Johnny Brodzinski. Ah, Johnny Brods, Johnny B. Johnny B. Uh, I'm honestly, man. I don't know how much of this is is him not getting opportunity versus him just not capitalizing on opportunities. That'll always be a big question, but I'm gonna say two stars. 
two stars out of five. I think he ended last season on a high note. He came in for a couple games showing a little offensive flair. And I just, I didn't see much of it this season. I didn't see, you know, for a team that by and large, if you look, everyone's offense improved. He just never really jumped out at me. And all I keep hearing about is how much potential he's got and what a great finisher he is and has been at the AHL level. It's like, dude, you're 25. If you're going to do it, you got to do it now. So I'm going to say two stars out of five. And he's another guy that I think could very easily be traded draft weekend. And, you know, I don't think the Kings would miss a beat. Uh, Two stars out of five for me, too. What you say has merit. He's a top six type player. He is not the type of player that's going to produce with Andy Andrioff. Happy trails, Andy. Fairly well as well. well, he's not, Andy. Yeah, oh, he's not going to produce with guys like that. He's not going to produce with Nate Thompson, Tory Mitchell. It's just not going to happen. So I think if he wanted to really get an idea of what he's capable of, he would have to play top six minutes. Unfortunately, on this team, not only are top six minutes tough to come by, but right now, bottom six minutes are tough to come by. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're really talking top six, the only spot you could possibly think of would be on Kopitar's left wing, and he has done nothing to show that he's capable of playing at that level. No, correct. So... I'm going to go two stars as well. Uh, on we go to Michael Amadio. Um, you know, I'm going to go three stars for Michael Amadio. I like Michael Amadio. I think he's – I think you could do a lot worse on your fourth-line center spot than him. He's a creative kind of guy. He hasn't had a lot of chance to show it. I think he's the type of player that gets more comfortable with uh, every shift almost. Uh, I do hope he gets a longer look at 4C this season. I like him, man. Like, he, he popped in a few goals. He didn't really, you know, do anything spectacular, but he also didn't do anything that, you know, kind of makes you upset at him, makes you think he doesn't belong in the NHL. I think he's going to be a serviceable bottom six guy. Um, I hope going forward, like I said, especially la- next year when I look at who the Kings might have, it's such a question mark on the bottom six but i do hope mm-hmm. he he does get a good chunk of time as a fourth line center next year yeah i think three stars is appropriate i see him and i have followed guys like this as like the new vein um the new trevor lewis type of players because you know lewis has been playing for the kings for a long time now and he's not going to be here forever but you could see how easily amadio could kind of step in and be that kind of player in his career with maybe a little more offensive flair than uh, than lewis had but he was a responsible player he showed his knack on the offense and again with how much turnover there was in the bottom six it was like one night you'd have andreoff and thompson in there and the next night you'd have bronzinski and amadio in there i think having a season of a little more consistency knowing that game in game out he's going to be in there we might see a little more offense out of him as well so three stars i think works agreed all right do we want to talk about Andy? Good old Andy Andrew. Oh, yeah, we could touch on it really quick. Um, again, didn't have a lot of time, I would say, or enough time. Um, certainly more than Amadio or Brozinski, I think. He got a little more opportunity, especially when you consider this is not his first season or anything yeah. like that. So he's had a good sample size with the Kings. He was very. I remember coming out of his first rookie camp, he was very... I don't want to say highly touted, but there was a lot of positivity around him. There was a lot of optimism with where he could go as an NHL player. But I just don't think – he's just not there. It's, I don't think he brings anything special to the table. I think, you know, he's Kyle Clifford. He's just another guy on the bottom six that – and I don't mean to disparage Clifford because Clifford has intangibles, I think, that Andreoff maybe 
hopes to have one day but yeah uh like nothing gained nothing lost you know yeah so i'm gonna go two stars just nothing really there for me to to say it's just very much a shoulder shrug situation with him totally man i i completely agree i think two stars is appropriate again he's another guy who's been around for a couple seasons and you just kept hoping that you saw something a little different and it just never showed up and at some point it's like okay you, you don't need guys like this you've got plenty of younger guys coming in who could take up that role and uh especially if you're not you know he's not a big heavyweight kind of fighter guy either if clifford's going to be doing that or you got guys like thompson or something like that who are sticking around who might be able to trade blows every once in a while and unfortunately andy's kind of caught in a numbers game so best of luck in tampa yeah he got, i mean let's be honest he he lost more fights than he won um yeah i, I can't not remember kevin bx's superman punch uh this season so no i uh it's not that i don't like him but yeah good luck in tampa peter budai coming back to to be a a backup in ontario most likely i would say 99 percent uh sure that's what's gonna happen so welcome back peter good guy good dude uh moving on how about nate thompson sure i'm gonna say three stars for nate I the one thing I really appreciated is uh, his face-off ability. Yep. I think the Kings have been lacking that, con- you know, considerably. Um, I, I think if you look at the possession stats and stuff, he's not the greatest in that in that realm. But um, I noticed a distinct improvement in face-off ability, um, especially since we'd been relying more and more on Adrian Kempe for that at times. So if for that alone, and you know, he's on a decent deal for another year. I'm I'm good with three stars, and I'm good with having Nate Thompson for another year. Yeah, I think he'll be in the lineup. I don't think there's any question about that, unless the Kings are swinging for the fences and they need to clear all kinds of salary mm-hmm. for someone special. I don't see that happening. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, uh, I'm and with you. And you're certainly not going to get it by clearing the Nate Thompsons of the world. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> You'd have to clear, like, four Nate Thompsons. Right, and uh, three stars for me as well. He was just to me a hair better than than Mitchell, than Reader, than all these other guys that we yeah. experimented with on the wings, even in the middle with with him and and Tory Mitchell. So yes, three stars. I'm good with that. Um, Kyle Clifford. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this point, I mean, Clifford is what he is. He's a glue guy, right? He's not. He is. Yeah, he's not going to be this guy who overwhelms you on the ice or anything like that so he's a glue guy for sure yeah i've had to i've had to brush off all the memories of early comparisons to to possible wayne simmons 2.0 and and (laughs) these were these were these were literal discussions that were happening guys it's okay to trade simmons because we got kyle clifford coming in um it's fine you know he's he's proved i guess his value to the team in multiple ways and all you hear about is just what a great guy he is in the back and how uh you know his presence has become invaluable to the kings fine totally fine he's getting less than two million i wish i was seeing a little more offense from him to kind of own up to that type of money but whatever three stars a lot of people around the kings and also a lot of fans really like Kyle Clifford. And I get it. I mean, you know, no, he's got I that rough too. and tumble, old school kind yeah. of hockey. Right. Locker room guy. Everyone loves yeah. him. He was a part of the cup winning teams. Right. He's still only 
27 years old, which is one of those weird cases where you feel like the guy's been around for a decade. Well, he also looks like he's 90, so... Yeah, he's got a lot of mileage on him for his age, certainly. So, the one thing with Clifford I guess I'm concerned about, by the way, I'll go two and a half stars, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing I'm concerned is that the game might be starting to escape him a little bit. The bottom six players on successful teams, on whatever teams in general have less players like Kyle Clifford than they used to. So Mm -hmm. I I am a little bit concerned on where he's going. He has two more years on his contract. Fine. Um, We'll see what happens. I don't think the Kings are going to trade him or anything. I think they'll revisit him when the time comes. He he can still skate um, his, you know, gain the blue line and immediately shoot it on net thing. (laughs) Ability. Continues (laughs) continues to anger me sometimes. But, again, I have a soft spot for him. So two and a half – whatever three again it's it's very much a shrug <laughs> and the andrea type yeah. situation for me yeah he strikes me as kind of that same vein of uh the dwight king type where you're not sure that if he was on any other team if he would still be playing that kind of thing and so i do wonder what's going to happen at the end of his contract if he's actually gonna end up getting signed anywhere or actually make an nhl team quite frankly for the reasons that you said yeah it's gonna be interesting i think if i think he has the best chance to resign with the kings should yeah. the kings you know choose to keep him. nostalgia so. keeping him. yeah all right now let's get into the meat of this uh i'm gonna go alex i follow all right all right i'm gonna say four stars man yeah I'm going to say four stars because I don't think anyone had this kid on their radars making the team much less being uh, a contributing force. You know, the goals will come. There's a, he had a lot of chances that he just couldn't finish. I think, um, not that the expectations were high on him, but I think you get the sense that like, if you're playing on the top line, which he did a lot of the times, you put a lot of weight on yourself. And he seems like the type of guy who puts a lot of expectations on himself. And you know, that leads to gripping your stick a little tighter or whatever other analogy you want to use. I think this upcoming season, that's not going to be his role. I think he's better suited for this kind of tweener second to third line role. Um, more so third line role because he's just a really responsible, tough four checker. And I think that's where a lot of his offense is going to come, not necessarily being on the first line and being expected to, to be able to finish, you know, these dime passes that the Kopitar puts on the stick for you. But that being said, I think he's a great addition to the team. I think he's going to be a fantastic player for this team going forward. And if his offense picks up Kings have another, you know, great win in their uh, in their scouting department so four stars for me i think expectations are a big part of the star right. system that we're using i think four stars um we're agreeing a lot this time around which is nice um four stars man zero expectations um certainly when it was announced that he made the team i don't think anyone thought he was going to be on the top line with Kopitar and that's a pressure pack situation the season Kopitar had last year coming into this this season you know the pressure on him the pressure on Dustin Brown you know the pressure on him because of his uh, past performances and to come in and almost be the catalyst you know in a way uh, certainly that's saying a lot I think there's a lot of contributing factors but to come in and be such a spark plug for those two guys is outstanding for a guy coming out of college um yeah, four stars for me. I would like to see him more. Uh, I think he's more suited to be on the left side of the next guy I want to talk about, which is Adrian Kempe. 
you know, I'm going to go four and a half. Four Ooh. and a half for him. We mentioned earlier that expectation is a big part of this. Um, I don't think, you know, last season he showed flashes of offensive ability, flashes of NHL competence, but for him to come out and score nearly 20 goals, uh, I believe his his total was 16, uh, with Carter out for him to step in on that second line and do such a good job for that period of time, I got to give him four and a half. It's... Again, we all just hoped. It was all just hope, hope, hope. But now, going into eighteen, nineteen, you're you're going to be looking at him to actually eclipse twenty goals. You're looking for him to really add secondary scoring to the team. He's a viable piece of the puzzle now for the Kings. And we mentioned earlier this season, he's likely played his last minor league game. I don't think he'll play anywhere other than the NHL moving forward. So. To me, those are not just steps. Those are leaps forward for Kempe. So four and a half might be a little generous to some people. But I think, again, given what I expected, given how little he really scored last season in the time he was up, I got to I gotta give the guy props for his skill and for his hair. I think that's fair. <laughs> I mean, the, the hair alone <laughs> should add half a star, right? Easy. Uh, I think I think that's fair. I was just gonna say four, um, only because um, I, I, he tailed off, but I guess that's expected sure. uh, given the change in ice time and everything like that. And then certainly there's there's things to be uh, desired uh, from the faceoff department um, if he's if he's gonna play center, which is what they keep kind of projecting him at. Um, but aside from that, man, I mean, I I I, I don't want to say we'd given up hope on him, but he'd been drafted. You know, several years prior, and you would hope that a guy like that, who's supposed to be your your blue chip kind of winger prospect, would light up the AHL, and he was never um, he was never doing that. And so I don't know what to have what we could have reasonably expected in terms of NHL production from something like that. But um, he came in, did increasingly better, and um, was a nice replacement. Or a stopgap, I should say, when Carter was out. So I think I think the ceiling on him is still remains to be seen. I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility for him to be like a seventy-point guy. No question, he's got the ability to do it, and they're certainly going to keep giving him the ice time. And um, you know, we had talked about earlier in the year. Remember, we, one of our trade projections was Kempe, maybe for Landeskog yes. or something like that. And and you asked me like way early in the year, would you still make that trade? And I was like, I don't know anymore, man. I really don't because yeah. as as great a player as Landis Cog is, and he had he certainly had a great season. Um, you can't tell me that Kempe's not going to end up being like a seventy point guy. There's nothing that I've seen that has implied to me that he can't be a better player than than Landis Cog at some point. Or That's at least, right. I said at least it. equal, yeah. I mean, definitely, maybe not, maybe not with the physicality, but he's got the size for that too. And, you know, as you mentioned, the, the flowing locks that he likes to adjust during fights. And so he's gritty too. That's, that's what, that's how I take that. I like it. He's got that Swedish grit. He does. You know, and, and all kinds of just swag dripping off that boy. I swear to God, if he shows up to training camp with cornrows, (laughs) watch out, watch out. The man beats business. So that takes care of Kempe. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on, Vardy, your move, buddy. 
Yeah. Let me see who's. By the way, guys, speaking of young guns, uh, you might hear some background noise there. I'm, I'm recording from home today. That's my daughter in the background. So, you know, just she's just taking some shots on net. She's got to do what she's got to do, working on her skills. She is a subscriber to the Bannerman podcast. Huge subscriber. So, loves listening to it before she goes to bed. It's between that and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star <laughs> constant repeat. Ah, that's awesome. So yeah, <laughs> if you want to be like her, which everyone should, subscribe to the podcast. Do and it, put it, do, put do it in it your now. lullaby mix. There you it's go. It's soothing. Um, where was I? Okay, hold on. Trevor Lewis. Hey yo. Trevor Lewis. Three stars, forever three stars in my mind. <laughs> it's just the, the ideal three-star player. I mean, the, the contract's perfect. The expectations aren't much. The production's actually better this season than it's been in the past. So maybe I'll give him three and a half. Yeah, fine. I uh, see. I'm gonna go four for the production. Oh, all right, fine. Dude, like, come on, he has no business. It's, it's true. Scoring the number of goals he scored this year. That's that's I I guess I credit a lot of that to like the the positional uncertainty when Carter wasn't around and so they were just you know screw it let's try whoever on the second line before things started started clicking but fine fine he he has shown no signs of slowing down he continues to contribute and be a valuable component to this team has the ability to slide up and down the lineup as needed for a couple of games at a time All right, well I was at I'll stick to four just because. I don't know. He's can is it like can you still call that award the Trevor Lewis unsung hero award? I mean, this guy's been I feel like he's been singing now for 2 years. Uh, he had 12 goals last year. He had 14 or he had 12 goals 2 years ago, 14 last year. Uh obviously 16 is going to be his number this year the way he's going. We love Louis. So glad Vegas took McNabb over him because I don't think Braden McNabb was going to ever amount to much in los angeles he had to go to the land of oz to figure it out i guess <laughs> all right where are we at with our uh you're up next here? bud yeah I so think we're, we're scratching into the top six now i believe we are uh, i believe we are so i guess it's gonna be um tanner pearson time mm-hmm. okay do you see this is, this is where it gets a little complicated i'm sure we're gonna go pearson then to foley so these two guys are a little i don't know it, it depends on how you viewed their season i'm gonna go three and a half stars for pearson mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. some might find odd because he had the steeper decline in offensive production i would sure. say uh, between the two however um, I did appreciate his play away from the puck far more than I did to Foley's, which we'll get into. Yes. Um, in front of the net, particularly this year, more than most seasons, he was a real presence, screening goaltenders, getting garbage from you know right at the goal mouth, putting it in, tips, deflections. He was not on the score sheet as much as maybe we're used to, but he was responsible indirectly, directly, whatever – for a lot of the offense the Kings produced this season. Um, so for that, I'm going to give him three and a half stars. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was going to say three, but I think three, three and a half, really. You're, you're splitting hairs at that point. Um, I think the, the problem overall is that you expect a certain trajectory with a player like him, right? Like you're giving him toxic time, and granted, they didn't have – 
again, Carter was out for a decent period of time. But even when Carter came back, I really didn't see much change in terms of like, oh, here we go, guys. You know, here comes the offense all of a sudden. But the away from the puck play was definitely better. He's, you, I think you, you saw that kind of old coaching cliche of like, if you're not getting on the scoreboard, at least do the right things away from the play. You know, like get in front of the net, back check. And in that sense, he's a really good all-around player. The question I think for him becomes, is this his peak, right? Is he a 40, 50, me? is he ever going to be a 50-point guy? Or is that 24-20 season he had last year going to be his peak? And then there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Like everyone needs, you know, those 40 point guys and 20 goal scorers. But let's be honest, you'd, you'd want him to be a consistent 20 goal scorer if you're going to keep, you know, keep him in the salary structure going ahead. Because, again, the Kings are a team that is that's starving for offense. And more and more you're hearing rumors of them wanting to go after these like blue chip left wing prospects. I mean, uh, left wing, uh, you know free agents or trades, what have you. And you got to figure that a guy like Pearson is going to be someone whose name shows up on the trade block because he's 25, right? He's on a sweetheart deal until 2021. That's the last year of the deal. And if you're not going to get more than what you have, then you got to, you got to cut bait right now. His contract is fine for what it is, for what he's putting up. It's okay. We're fine with it. But like you said, he's, he's no longer a young player. Um, and, it's true for for Pearson and Toffoli, who is going to be the next player we're going to get into. Is is this who these guys are? Are what we see? Is it what we're going to get from these guys? And t- on the subject of Tyler Toffoli, moving I, on, I have him with three stars, man. Honestly, like the beginning of the season, I thought this was going to be a huge, huge year for him. Honestly, and and I, I I'll you know. His numbers overall, if yes, they're better than last season, but that's if you project it out to games played, I think he would have had a better. My question is, is this, is he going to be a 60 point guy? Right. Right. Like that's, that's the goal for him. He's already shown he could be a 30 goal scorer. He's a consistent 20 goal scorer. Is he going to be a 60 point guy or is he going to be another 40, 50 point player? And that's, it's the same situation with Pearson. It's like, if you're not going to be that guy, well, that's okay. But we need someone like that. We need someone who's going to be a 60, 70 point winger and we keep looking for it. And unfortunately you'd love to keep to fully Pearson and, you know, hypothetical left winger first line, <laughs> whoever he may be all under the same salary cap structure, but you just can't. And so at some point you you might have to get rid of someone like this, who's getting a little older, getting into their twenties, late twenties, for the sake of letting a younger guy maybe come in and hopefully put up decent numbers so you can redirect that money towards someone else who's a who's a first line left wing like assuredly first line left wing yeah i have him at three stars as well i give him half a star less than pearson again because this is this is just me watching and towards the end of the season even at stretches during the season he to fully look like he just didn't want the puck at all he looked like he couldn't make a pass he looked like he couldn't receive a pass even his dump-ins were like off it just he seemed off for so many stretches and it's funny because he had 24 goals yeah he, and 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 we're you know praising pearson a little more who he had 15 and we're looking at to who had almost 10 more and, and we feel like maybe he had a weaker season than pearson did it goes to show you that it's not always about the numbers 
For Toffoli, he should be a perennial 30-goal guy. Yes, Jeff Carter wasn't there for most of the season. Yes, that probably hurt. But we've said this before. If your production is connected to Car- to Carter's availability, that's probably a big problem for your career and for the team. Totally. So, so, again, he just didn't look right. He didn't look comfortable. He was snake bit a lot of times. A lot of times he just looked like he was stick handling with a pool cue or something. You know, he's just not happening for him this year. So I'll, I'll go lower on him than I would on Pearson for that reason. And hopefully th- that's never the case again. Yeah, I, I think to your point, like if you just look at the game log, right? It's it's not about your end of season totals are going to be fine. That There's no problem with that. But to kind of paraphrase Daryl Sutter, it's not if you're win or lose, it's if you're winning or losing. And it's not about what your totals are maybe at the end of the season. I want to know that you're able to do it consistently. So if you look at his numbers, he had five goals in October. He had six goals in November. He had six goals in December. And then January, he had one. Right. He had three in February. Right. Three more in March. And then none in the last three games of April. So he really just fell off a cliff. And and you can't even directly tie that to, to the Carter injury because Carter was out for most, most of November, December. So, I mean, what's what's the deal? And I think I don't know if there's some like secret injury or something like that, but it just didn't seem like it. It just seemed like he just really wasn't engaged in the play. Like if the puck wasn't coming to him where he wanted it. He wasn't making anything happen, and I think that's the problem. Those totals month-to-month are – they speak from this for themselves in many ways. So um, not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised that the feeling that – not just us, by the way. Most people around the team covering the team all feel that it was a down year for him. Right. So it goes to show you that the numbers never truly tell a story. And I'm not saying trade him. I'm not, I'm no, not no, no, saying no. that. But I'm just saying that like – if you just look at the numbers of the salary cap and the fact that someone needs to be moved, the most likely candidates end up being those two guys. Agreed. Um, the guy you don't want to move is number 77. Not going anywhere. Jeff Carter, who played um, 27 games. <laughs> In 27 games, he had 13 goals, 9 assists for 22 points. Um, in his first five games before his injury, I don't think he had a goal. So he did most of his damage in the last 25 games of the season. Uh, what do you say about this guy? Uh, I'm going to go four and a half on him only because the playoffs, he didn't really bring much. And that's Four games he didn't he wasn't on the board at all. I mean we scored three goals. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hanging that on him. <laughs> no, yeah, right. The team scored three goals, but you would like to see your main top goal scorer maybe not be a part of that disaster. Yeah. Uh, for that, I'll go four and a half. Because other than that, I mean, what do you what do you, can you complain about this guy? What complaint can you dig up about him? He's getting older. Okay. <laughs> My complaint towards him, I guess, is he's subject to time and space like every other human being, which Great. isn't really a complaint. It's just – honestly, the best part is that those goals that he scored, I remember distinctly like the first 10 were goal mouth tip-ins and just like positional goals. They weren't your classic Jeff Carter down the off wing kind of snipe shots that, you know, he's capable of. So you could tell that like, he still wasn't fully back to himself, but he was still finding ways to score, which is what makes him such a unique player. I know the world laughed at the ridiculous deal 
that he signed when he was still with Philly, and then the Kings picked up that deal. But man, what a bargain that is right now for the type of player he is. And he he plays the type of game that I think will be able to last through the length of that contract. I don't think it's going to be much. I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but 33-year-old Jeff Carter doesn't scare me in any way. I, I think Jeff Carter is going to be just fine for like another three seasons and then whatever. Well, you know, you'll figure it out then. So he's 33 now. Yeah. Uh, he'll have four more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see him. I mean, at 37. Yeah. What's he have you do? seen any signs of him slowing down <laughs> no, in any way? Not at none whatsoever. He and still skates better than half the freaking team. Let's say, let's say on his down years, his last two years of his contract, he gets, I don't know, 20 goals, 20 to 25 goals each season. Okay. Mm-hmm. At 5.72, that's about right. That's, that's about right for what's going to be paid to guys who score 20 to 25 goals. Um, I have no issue with him. I, I, I see almost no downside with keeping this guy, with playing this guy, him retiring as a king. I am all for it. So there you go. Here's a fun question. I'll just throw this in there. Does yeah. his number go up to the rafters? If he retires a king, uh, that's Two hard, cups, man. man. I know it's really hard. That's the, I say would, yes because he would he would essentially. So the locks are going to be like Quick Brown and Kopitar and Dowdy. Easily. So yeah. those four are locks. Um, then comes that second tier of guys who won cups, and if you look at the guys who won cups that aren't those four guys, he's the only one that's even debatable. Yeah. Like Mike Richards, not happening. No. Uh, Justin Williams, too short of a time, I would say, and not not enough productive years. Despite the consmite. Despite the consmite. Other than him, I don't see anyone who's even remotely close. And it all depends on how he performs these last four years, really. What he's able to accomplish. Because right now, today, had he if he leaves the team, he's not going up. Because yeah. Bernie Nichols scored 70 goals and put up monstrous seasons in a Kings mm-hmm. uniform, and he didn't go up. And he's not going to go up, by the way. Um, sorry, Franchise Mike. Sorry, Mike, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so that's that's what it comes down to, man. Um, what he does in the next four seasons. Should the Kings sneak up and win another cup, and should he put up big numbers like he has, then we can talk about that. I think he goes up. Wow. I think when it's all said okay. and done, he goes up. He's just—he's gonna play most of his his career in a king sweater. He's gonna be consistently productive in a king sweater. He's gonna be a vital part of two cup teams. You don't win either cups without Jeff Carter. You, there's just no no feasible way. No, but you can say that so. about a lot of players. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's conversation for four years from now. But mark this day. Mark this day. Jeff Carter's going up to okay. the lost and right. to the rafters. Episode twenty-three. Don't forget. All right. Next, former captain, sometimes alternate captain when other <laughs> alternate captains are injured. <laughs> Dusty. Dusty Brown. Yep. Four and a half stars. I'm going to say four and a half stars. Um, not because he did anything less than what he should have. In fact, what he did under the circumstances, I think, is so remarkable. And it's such a testament to the guy. And, you know, we were 
we were just as much on that bandwagon of man if vegas takes him that would be great but sometimes things work out in your favor and if he can continue to play the way he did this last season at that salary great fan freaking tastic i i i don't know if i expect 60 points from him and 30 goals every season but it's it's a new wave right now man i i really don't know how much of what we saw this season is is just kind of like you know pixie dust for <laughs> for yeah. a fresh new coach and everything and how much of it'll kind of regress back to the mean but i think there's no question in my mind that he's a 2020 guy maybe a 25 25 guy for the rest of you know until until really age catches up with him which is going to i mean he's 33 he certainly doesn't play the same type of game he used to but as long as he's producing four and a half happy to have him in a king sweater and uh go from there uh, five stars yes you there ha- it is. you have to you have to man like what a turnaround for the player for the human being like it's and the moments in this season, right? Like, you can look at his totals and be like, wow, what a bounce back for Dustin Brown. But the overtime winner in his thousandth game, the four-goal game at the end of the season, when we I – don't, I don't know when the last time we had seen a four-goal game and we saw two in, like, a month. And for him to do it on that very last day of the season and set a career high all across the board except goals, I believe. Pretty impressive. Dude, like – that's a five-star season. What did he do? I can't remember one thing he did at any point where I was like, even those toe drags he does between his legs that <laughs> I hadn't seen in like three years. When I saw them, I, it was a welcome sight because that means his confidence is coming back. Right. That means the fact that he wants to try a move that he absolutely cannot make. <laughs> 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 okay the fact that he wants to try it is just such an awesome sight for me to see um yeah man i mean five stars dude five stars for me there is just there's nothing i could nitpick at nothing about his game this season the way he scored uh when yeah. he scored yeah now you're making me feel like a jerk no you're not a jerk for four and a half stars i mean it, it's just you can't Tell me one thing where it's like it wasn't almost a picture perfect season for him. Now comes the crown jewel. Yeah, Let's, this is going to be a shocker, everyone. Uh, Andre Kopitar, four and a half until he wins the heart trophy. No man, five. Can if you, I could give him more than five, I would. Can you give him more than five? Because like five point one. Five point one breaks the scale. 35 like, goals, 57 assists for 92 points. Man. <laughs> That's a career high in every single category. It's just, again, I don't expect that every season, but it's so impressive. It's just so impressive to see him do it and to do it at age 30 of all things. And, Night in and night out. It wasn't like he just went on like some ridiculous scoring streak and was, you know, put up 25 points in a month or something like that and then regressed. It was just like every single game I can count on you being an effective player and some games more than others. You just 
blew the score sheet away. Like his four goal effort. To, I think, I think really that game was what sealed it in voters minds, which is why he ended up as a Hart trophy finalist. Hopefully a winner. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I still think Hall's going to win that one, but I think so too. Yeah. I think he'll be, I actually think he'll be third yeah. in, in voting. That's fine. I'm okay with. Don't that. care. Uh, we talked about this before, but man, a few things that jump out at you about this magnificent, magnificent man. This masterpiece of a human being. Twenty-eight of his thirty-five goals came at even strength. Jesus. Thirty-five of his fifty-seven assists came at even strength. <laughs> All this I'm, implies is how terrible our power play is. You realize that, right? I mean, whatever. The fact that he's doing it five on five is yeah, absolutely man. outstanding. Um, yeah, there's nothing more I could say about this dude. Five point one stars, <laughs> surround sound. Yeah, man. I mean, yes, his career shooting percentage was was way higher than it ever was, um, and he's still, you know, he only put up two hundred shots. He's definitely shot more. So again, probably expect that to regress just a little bit, but still winning 54% of faceoffs, still a handedly positive plus minus player. He's everything to this team. He is the alpha and the omega of this freaking team. Yeah. So that takes care of that. Um, there are some cool things coming up, like the draft, and um, I think there might be a ton of movement this year because all of a sudden don't look now but there's a ton a ton of activity um regarding who might be available at the draft who might be available via free agency so it's it's probably good to cover the players that could be options for the kings um so obviously the usual suspects Jeff Skinner, Max Pacioretty, guys we've talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, I would dare say we broke those rumors. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we sunk them, and they became life. But then all of a sudden, John Tavares becomes some sort of talking point for the Kings, which, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen. Uh, if I were to put a percentage on it, I'm – pretty convinced it's 0.01% chance the Kings land that guy. Uh, Rob Blake in a conference call said, oh, when a player like that comes along, you have to take a look at it. Yeah, yes, we will take a look at it. But you would essentially have to trade three or four pieces off your current roster, guys you probably consider secondary core players in order to make that guy fit. And then after that, you're looking at having a lot of issues moving forward with your salary cap. So... It's fun to play fantasy hockey in your mind and, and think of going Tavares or Kopitar, Carter Tavares or Kopitar Tavares with Carter on the wing. Uh, but it's not going to happen, in my opinion, and I'm sure in the opinion of many people. Yeah, and um, just to kind of seal it up, another couple names. Kovalchuk has come up a couple times as uh, someone that the Kings have met with, San Jose met with, Boston, I think I heard, maybe Detroit, um, because he's still a guy who can contribute. Now, he's probably not going to be the same guy that he was before, but, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I think I think he could still, just judging by what I saw at the World Championships and stuff, I think he could still, or the Olympics, I should say, I think he could still be like a 20, 25 goal scorer, no problem. Sure. Um, just 
plant him outside of the you know the top faceoff dot over the right circle and just let him rip on the power play, and that in and of itself will give you about ten goals. But um, so that was a name that came up, and then the last couple of days, you know. Phil Kessel's name came up kind of randomly a few weeks ago and still not sure how or why, but okay. And then the last couple of days, Artemi Panarin came up as another guy who might be available. And these are, this is all well and good. You know, these are all fantastic names. And quite frankly, if we got any one of those guys, I think, I think it would be very, very helpful. And for our eternal search for Kopitar's left wing, the problem is, how long do you get to keep that guy? Because there's this little problem called the salary cap. Now, Jeff Skinner and Max Pacioretty each have one year left on their deals, which are pretty reasonable. I think they're like $4 million or something like that each. Uh, Tavares, who, is, as we discussed, is not going to happen for several, several reasons. But he would need a new contract come July 1st. And, um, and then... Phil Kessel is under contract for something like an $8 million cap hit, which is totally appropriate for him. Artemi Panarin is another guy who has one year left on his deal, but you know he's going to get paid after that. Oh, yeah. We're, so, we're, you're talking about like 8, 9, 10, maybe, if not more. Easily. I think I think 8 is the jump-off point, quite frankly, right. for his age and production. Right. And um, – and then, obviously, you have Kovalchuk, who's been rumored to be seeking somewhere between a two- or three-year deal, somewhere between six and seven million, which I think someone will give him. No question. So, again, I think the Kings are kind of in this weird situation where they know they want a left wing. The world knows they want a left wing to play the top line. And there's certainly candidates out there. But the reasonable ones that you can get for one year, then you're going to be stuck in this weird salary cap situation again, that you're going to have to clear up 7 million, something like that to be able to sign that person. Meanwhile, you're going to have RFAs in the form of I follow can't be to sign. And of course you've got the 12 million, the 12 million that drew Dowdy's going to command per year kind of lingering. So, I think you could play fantasy hockey all you want and talk about these awesome scenarios where we can pick up one of these guys. But the problem is that reasonably, I don't know how you would keep them beyond one year unless, which is funny because then when you think about it, the one person who suddenly becomes a viable option is Kovalchuk. Yes. I because agree. You, I was going to say you, that. You yeah, because you don't have to move anything for him. You just give him money, and if it's $6 million he wants, that's actually cheaper probably than what you're going to end up paying Jeff Skinner. Maybe about what you pay Pacioretty if you're going to get him agreed to a deal. But you don't, have, you don't have to trade anything for this guy. If you're going to go after 31-year-old Max Pacioretty, you might as well go after 34-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk, I think. It's crazy how after you break it all down that he truly is probably – the guy the Kings are going to go hardest after. Um, it's a short-term deal, no matter what it is. Um, the money's probably going to be way closer to what they want. There is no, there's little to no risk factor in terms of him, you know, not signing with you the next season and all that stuff. And you don't give up assets, which is the main thing. And you right. you mentioned that at the end there. That is the main thing because if you're going to go after a patch already. They're going to ask for a pick, something significant off your roster. Same with Skinner. Certainly same with Panarin. Um, anyone via trade, 
is going to cost you something that you probably don't want to give up. So I don't know if the Kings are in a position to do that. I know the mayor, John Hoven, and, and Dennis Burstein mentioned that to get Skinner, they feel a package of four board Brodzinski and a second or a third would get it done. I just don't see... Yeah, I'm not as optimistic. I don't see how Carolina doesn't get a better offer than that for this guy. You know, he's he's young. He's not making that much yet. Um it is a one-year contract you're taking on, but still, I mean, that's really – that's wishful thinking, I think, totally Yeah. Uh, for Carolina to take that deal. When you know a team like, I don't know, Montreal, let's say, would, would probably double up that offer somehow. Right. Yeah, I think there's way more desperate teams out there than the Kings. And yeah. I think the Kings have made it very clear that they're not looking to deal their first-round pick because they've been burned in a similar scenario with – with going after Lucic and thinking that we have him for a year, we'll get him to resign, we'll get him to fit under the salary cap and take a couple million less than he get in the open market. And then next thing you know, he's signing for seven years for $7 million a year in Edmonton, which, which, which is fine because that's not a contract that I would want him signed to. And then clearly his current production supports that notion. But I'm just saying that that's the exact same scenario that's the exact same scenario they're going to find themselves in if they go after Skinner, if they go after Pacioretty, is they're going to have to sign a guy like that to a five- or six-year deal for a minimum of $7 million. And then at that point, you're really going to be up against the cap. God forbid Adrian Kempe has a 50-point season. How much do you think he's going to get once his RFA contract's over? Yep. I mean, you, you have to consider those things. And so I think their best shot somehow at the end of all this ends up being trying to sign Kovalchuk. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you give him two or three years, and if it doesn't work out, then okay, you lost money. You can buy him out if you want to, but like you're, you're not going to be able to do that. If you give up a first-round pick to get a guy like Jeff Skinner, who, again, I think would be a great fit for this team, but that is a huge risk you're taking, both to be able to manage it with – with your salary cap and hoping that he'll even resign in the first place. I don't know, man. That's why I don't, they don't pay me the big bucks. Yeah. Another name that came up the last two days is Wayne Simmons. Mm. Uh, Mike Russo of the athletic reporting that he's very much now in play, uh, flyers fielding calls or whatever, sending out feelers to move him. He's another guy. Um, he was number two on our list, Miserable episode, list of Kings players we would like back, which we would do. We will do a sequel of soon, maybe not the same list, but a list episode. But anyway, he's another guy that is the same situation. He has one more year left. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his case, I don't know if he's going to get that much of a raise for you to be too concerned. Um, but if you talk about the Lucic situation, is there anyone who might be more reminiscent? of Milan Lucic than Wayne Simmons in terms of their playing style, in terms of their grit, the mileage on their bodies, all that stuff. So it's going to be dicey, very, very dicey for, for Rob Blake. He does in, he does have to add, uh, but at the same time, he can't mortgage, one, his future, and two, the possibility of signing players down the road. I wouldn't want to be in his place. I mean, it seems like a fun job most of the time, but around this time, it it gets pretty hectic. Um, And another thing is you don't want to go out and make like this, 
you know, middle of the pack acquisition, like, I don't know, you get some guy who's like a 15, 20 goal scorer and you're like, well, we're going to try him on Kopi's left side. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to do like a Marco Sturm from years before kind of acquisition or reclamation project right. type thing. Might as well not do anything at that point, right? It's like, why do that? Why go that route just so you could fill a hole? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough situation to me. It's like if you're going to do something, go big, but within reason. Right, because then then you start talking about the second tier of possible free agents, right? So if you want to kind of look at it that way. So James Neal, who isn't necessarily a second tier free agent. Sure, but he's, he's higher. He's higher. Yeah. He's he's another guy that I think is reasonable if they can if they can try and work it out. I think he's probably going to want six or seven million. He was getting paid I think five this year. Yeah, he was. And he's consistently a thirty goal scorer. So someone will give him I think close to seven million. He's thirty years old, so that's possible. And then you really get into some second tier guys in my opinion: David Perron, Rick Nash, Patrick Maroon, yeah, Grabner, Vanek. If you really want to go in there. Man, talk about a boomer bust guy there. So there's there's guys out there that if they swing and miss in this first tier, they can they could bring someone in to kind of plug it up. But I don't think that's what they want. I don't I don't even think they want to look at David Perron as an option. I don't even think they want to look at James Neal as an option. I think he's he's probably like fourth or fifth on their list, even though he's a UFA. I think they would much rather bring in Kovalchuk than James Neal personally. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I agree with you. Kovalchuk, I think, is just more a dynamic player, even at his age. And, you know, James Neal is not a bad option, now that I think about it. He, he'll, he'll be fine uh, if, if we do sign him. But you know who's not going to sign here or who's not going to be moved here, Vardy? Mike Hoffman. Mike oh, yeah. Hoffman <laughs> is not coming. Former San Jose Shark, Mike Hoffman. Yes, former Sharks legend. Um, man, without getting too into it, what a situation in Ottawa. What, you know, we call them a tire fire in one of our episodes. I can't remember which one. That was an understatement. That was a bit of an understatement by us because they are having all kinds of problems right now. It seems as though... They're going for a rebuild. No one's confirmed that. Certainly not Pierre Dorian. He hasn't said anything like that. Um, but you you have to trade Carlson, right? At this point, with the way things are going. Like, you have to trade this guy at this... The stuff that happened with the accusations from him to Hoffman's fiance, um, added to that just the entire mess that's been the Ottawa Senators this year... You, ha- if I was Ottawa, I would go full, you know, scorched earth rebuild because this is, it's toxic. Everything about this team is toxic right now. Trade Carlson, get a big haul. He's not going to sign there. C- can you at least tell me that I'm not crazy and thinking there's no way he signs there when yeah, his contract's I, up? I think I think the move of Hoffman, um, even before all of the drama came up with his fiance and I, I can't even believe I'm uttering these words, his fiance and Eric Carlson's unborn child or stillborn child. I mean, Jesus, I, I cannot even believe that that's a scenario that we're having 
in this day and age, but here we are. So I think they, they were more than happy to move Hoffman as kind of a, if nothing else, a gesture of good faith towards Carlson that like, clearly we value you more than, more than this guy. And we're looking to clean up the atmosphere for everyone who may have been affected by this and start from scratch. But it just sucks for them because they traded him to San Jose and then San Jose turned around and flipped him to Florida for what was ostensibly a better deal than what they got. I mean, they brought in Botker, who's been a guy that basically has never lived up to his billing for where he was drafted. And then you look at the roster that they have, there is nothing. There's nothing on this roster. I mean, they have Bobby Ryan, they have Matt Duchesne, who I would trade, I would trade him too. At the draft, yeah. I would trade him. I would trade Carlson. I would trade Stone. Yeah, and I would just be like, "Let's do this." If you're if you're doing it the right way, I don't disagree with you. But I think, unfortunately, Ottawa is kind of in a very strange situation now with their ownership and their GM and what it is they're trying to achieve. If anything, they're just they're not even like rebuilding on the fly. They're just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. At this point, I don't know. It's just like they don't get. Atten- they have attendance issues no matter what. They were one win away from the Stanley Cup final, and they still couldn't fill the building. So it's not like Dorian is pressured to be like, "Well, I gotta, you know, I gotta keep these guys so that fans show." Fans don't show up anyway. Yeah. They don't, you know, they just don't come to the games. So what really? I mean, I don't know. It's a tough situation. It sucks. Uh, I I feel for Senators fans. You know they're a passionate bunch, even though apparently they don't show up to the games. Um, I just think there's no direction. Like there's no clear indication from the team what what it is they're trying to achieve. And meanwhile, you're getting like their assistant GM getting restraining orders put on them from hotel staff and stuff like this. I mean it's just – they're so bad that I think actual tire fires look at them and go, hey, that thing looks like it's burning. Like it's that bad. It's, it's just – I don't even know where you begin or end with something like this unless you really mow it down to the roots and you start over again. But I, I haven't heard any indication that that's what they're thinking of doing. I think it's just going to be a few seasons of just, just ugh, really, I can't even think of like anything else to say about him. It sucks. Well, that's the got, point. It's like, so what's the point of holding on to these guys? Yeah, I don't know. Just sell them off. Get picks. Like, you should get – I mean, in theory, you should get a hell of a haul for Eric Carlson. Um, Vegas but, certainly has assets that they could throw your way. Don't give him ideas. I mean, believe me, they have those ideas already. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's really tough. I feel bad for anyone who's a Sanders fan. It's downright ugly, and I hope it gets cleaned up soon because – like I said, the only way I think you fix a situation like this is to blow it up. And because this is not just about hockey, there is some serious, yeah. deep rooted problems going on um, from a PR perspective, from a human perspective. Like, it's hard as a fan to get behind an organization, no matter how much you, you're attached to it, an organization that is run in a particular way that allows certain things to happen. And again, I'm not blaming. This, you know Eugene Melnick or whatever, but he didn't do himself any favors all season when he was going out to media and spouting off ridiculous things about how he might have to move the team. I don't know. No one's coming to the game, and yeah, yeah, it's it's no good. 
Just they a, do, and then you you know Daniel Alfredson left the organization. Yeah, saying well, I hope we get new owners soon. His, his exit words, his parting shots. Right, at the, the guy who's about as gentlemanly a player in the history of the game as there has been. The guy who most identifies with the Ottawa Sanders in their history is Daniel Alfredson. Yeah, if you take maybe Eric Carlson is like coming up behind him now, but he is Mister Center. That's like. You know, the equivalent of, I don't know, Luke Robitaille leaving the Kings as president and saying, you know, it's the Titanic, guys. It's sinking and I just got off of it. So, it's not good. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it sucks. But, you know, I, I'm right there with you. I think that would be the same thing. And if I was another team, I would wholeheartedly be calling Pierre Dorian and seeing what he's amenable to do. Because yeah. I don't think – I don't think – He's been given any instruction from ownership that anyone is not available, honestly. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, no. So let's let's put a percentage on it, Vardy. Um, we'll throw out some names. Give me a percentage on their likelihood of being LA Kings. Jeff Skinner. 50-50. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I was thinking that too. I think, I think if a decent deal – presents itself that doesn't allow that we don't have to move a first round pick for i think they gamble and they go for it and then they figure out the salary situation later yeah if again if a first is not involved yes. if pearson or portfolio aren't part of the return yes and all this and, pu- right? and purely because of his age yes. i think that's that's what does it over some of these other guys okay patcheretti i'm gonna say 20 percent i i just because i don't know if Montreal's actually going to move him. I think it's a lot of smoke, but it, you know, at some point they're going to try to have this like identity situation and they want patches to be part of it. So I'm going to say 20%. Yeah, I was going for his 25. So we'll stick to 20 to 25% on that one. Artemi Panarin. <sighs> this will blow me away if it actually happens <laughs> only because they'd have to give up so much and I don't think that they want to do that. I'm going to say 5%. I was going to say 0.5. All right. I'm really optimistic. Um, <laughs> John Tavares. If I could give it a negative percentage, <laughs> I would. You know how Kopi got 5.1 stars? There's a negative 0.1% chance this happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, 0%. I don't reason. care if we're on his like top three list. Great. It's very flattering. Thank you, John. We can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wayne Simmons. I'm going to say 20 to 25 percent. Okay. I think I think the the experience and the history with the team um, may put it over just a little bit for them. So I'm going to I, I I'm going to say 20 25 percent on that one. I don't know why I feel it's going to be higher on this guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going for 35 percent. It's just I think there's just something there. It just seems like a king's move, you know what I mean? When I it does seem like a king's it move. It seems like a king mo- king's move. Very kingsy. Um, I again, given his injuries this year and his production, maybe you get him on the cheap. Maybe they they're able to swing something. Plus Hexy, he's our boy. He is. So he's he might throw us a bone there. <laughs> um, Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm gonna say seventy percent. Ooh, he's going high. Because I think, again, if you're – I think my top two targets for them are Skinner. And if Skinner doesn't work out, they're going to go Kovalchuk. 
I don't think they want to spend that much to bring in a guy via trade unless it's someone that they really want. So I feel like it's 50-50 for Kovey. Um, because of San Jose, man, because of San Jose, they have all kinds of room. Um, thanks to little flipperoo they did on the yeah. Ottawa Sanders. They have a ton of cap space. I think they're going to go all in on this guy. Now, they're probably on top of their list is probably John Tavares. If I'm really thinking and, about and what, they could what, make it happen. They could make it happen. Exactly, right? They're one of the few teams who can. So maybe their big game hunting is involves him and not so much Kovalchuk and maybe the Kings sneak in and grab him. I don't know. Uh, that That is also contingent on Tavares actually making it to a free agency, which, by the way, it looks like he's going to do. It looks like yeah. he's going to test the waters at this point. So it's going to be fun. Uh, the Leafs already have like some sort of, I don't know, elaborate movie made about to like show him. I think like Brad Pitt is playing John Tavares in the video. <laughs> They're just rolling everything out for him. So that's going to happen. And he's actually going to be setting up shop in L.A., by the way. Yeah, because his agent's out there, correct, isn't he? Correct. So <laughs> the Kings, all, it'll be a short walk if they are truly interested in making a pitch to him. So, so that's yeah. it for our percentages, man. Um, Kovalchuk, Skinner, the main guys that's, that we're that's, looking at. That's just how I feel. That's, I think those are the those are the most sensible moves. And Skinner's the only guy that I think is worth being a little riskier on because if you can re-sign him somehow, the age is very helpful. Yeah, and the percentage we're going to put on doing another episode very soon is 100, guys, because the draft is coming up. The award ceremony is actually going on right now as yeah, we record. So, I know. Um, we'll have to circle back to the awards on the next episode along with the draft and everything it should be a packed episode Vardy because there's going to be a lot to talk about um perhaps even a preview of free agency it, maybe we do it a day after free agency we don't know yet we don't know yeah these these next two weeks are going to be very very uh, jam-packed yes it's a meaty couple of weeks for the off season <laughs> right. so we will see you then for episode 24 uh, follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Our website is thebannermanpodcast.com. Stitcher, SoundCloud, all them things, all them gadgets you guys use. <laughs> we'll see you next time.